Hello, this is Examiner Radio, the weekly radio show and podcast that covers news, politics, and all things Halifax. I'm Tim Bousquet, editor of the Halifax Examiner, which is available online at halifaxexaminer.ca. Also in the studio is Examiner Radio producer Russell Gregg. Hey, Russ. How are you, Tim? Very good. A friend of mine was uh, convinced me to download this this other podcast, and which will remain nameless. It's not a local one, but enthusiastically recommended it. And man, it's so full of all this over-the-top bumper music and people screaming, and there. It, and uh, it it made me uh, think that maybe our understated podcast is is the way to go. <laughs> well, good because the understated podcast is far less work on me. So. Good. This is Examiner Radio episode number 83, and as always, you can listen to the show at CKDU 88.1 FM in Halifax on Fridays at 4.30 or via the CKDU website, which is uh, conveniently found at (laughs) ckdu.ca. Okay, that was smooth. Yeah, man. Uh, you can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or any of the podcast aggregators that are out there and get each new episode automatically delivered to your device of choice. Just search for Halifax Examiner in the search engine. It'll be the first result. And I don't care if you rate and review it or not. Yeah, normally we do a bunch of stuff right now, but uh, we have an election tomorrow, Saturday, mm-hmm. uh, municipal, so we're just going to jump right to that. And we are joined in the studio by Jacob Boone. Hi, Jacob. Hey, Tim. Russell. Yeah, Jacob. Good to have you here. You, uh, you have my old job. Yeah, they changed the title. City editor. You were news editor. Yeah, but you're at the coast. I am, yeah. And, and I, I have to congratulate you. you you've done... Um, you know, I think the definitive uh, 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 work on this election in terms of getting into all the issues and all the all the districts and all the candidates. Uh, good job. Thank you. It's um, it was not easy. Ashley Corbett, who is our staff reporter for a couple more days, um, she's been a big help. And you know, there's there's been other people. I don't want to take sole credit, but right. there's been I, a lot I of know, but coverage. it's certainly beyond anything I could I could do. I just asked one question. <laughs> <laughs> And they either answered or they didn't, but uh, that was the living wage issue. I, I, I counted last night in between the like candidate surveys and profiles and everything else, and what's going to happen on Saturday. I think we're going to have over a hundred different posts. Yeah. So that's yeah. It's it's. I can't wait for it to be out of my brain. Yeah, I've been following Halifax elections for a dozen years now, so maybe we can we can talk about this with your with my historic knowledge and your and, that, yeah. and, and your detail on on the present. Let's do it. What jumps out at you for this election? What, what's the the one or two things that uh, you think this election is about? Um, everyone brings up development. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what the district is. The farthest rural stretches are concerned about development, though that's a very different kind of development than you're seeing in the urban core. Um, I don't. I don't know how much that's going to be an individual factor for these individual councillors. They have to all tackle it together. But we are seeing the center plan coming, so I mean that 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 is a theme that keeps getting repeated. You know what I haven't seen, and and you'll correct me if I'm wrong sure. here. I I kind of I, I also you know it's just a fact that development is on steroids right now, and mm. you can either think that's good or bad, or you can have a nuanced view of that. But uh, we we in Halifax, we in the world, have not seen this kind of urban development that's been going on in the last since the 2009 financial collapse. Uh, it's, it's obvious that money is finding its way into urban development th- that wasn't before and for mm-hmm. complex financial reasons that no one can really understand, but it's happening. And, and so our city's being rebuilt. What strikes me is that there is not really a, uh, even a candidate or much less a coalition, which I thought would, would happen, that is just flat-out anti-development. You know, like, screw these bastards. We, we need to stop this. Mm-hmm. Have you seen any of that? No, I don't. I don't think anyone wants to come out with that position. I don't know if that's maybe one of these things where you have to be very safe and not anger to anyone too much. The closest might be. I don't even want to say who I think is close because that might not be their position and that might affect things. But yeah, no, no one's really too upset. Everyone seems to agree it's great, but maybe it's too fast and gone a little too far. And we need to rope it back a bit. Yeah, I, I, I guess maybe I'm the one that's the anti-develop. <laughs> I. I I don't think this level of city reconstruction is healthy for 
for the city uh, at the speed and volume and, and just the pure dollar amounts flowing through the community. I think, you know, there is a time at, at some point where you get, whoa, let's, let's get a check on this and let, let's figure out what, what we're doing here. I worry that, uh, uh, you know, a few years from now, there'll be some sort of change in the international financing or whatever that's driving this. And we're ended up with uh, a bunch of half finished buildings and the buildings that are being thrown up now are kind of crappy. A lot of them. Um, and we'll start falling apart. I think that level of it has sort of been missing a little bit from the discussions. You see new counselors or candidates talking about development as if it was something solely the city instigated in terms of their their design plans or, or allowing or wanting densification. I don't think there's as much talk about how external forces well beyond HRM are influencing what's going into these projects. And yeah. really, that's I, council's I, just sort of there to to sort of referee a little bit to try and yeah there are people out there in the world who, who want to take credit for the cranes above halifax you know and i'll, I'll just for the record that is 100 percent bullshit hmm. you know there there is um, no no local decisions have uh facilitated this development boom it's totally outside of our hands we are, i think that's something that it would be nice to see the, a recognition that HRM Regional Council is not the be-all, end-all authority of where Halifax's and Dartmouth's future goes. They are hopefully going to be a very strong, smart mind to guide some of that, but there are going to be many, many external factors, everything from climate change to global markets that are going to influence where the city goes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so I have a question for the two sure. of you. Uh, this is the second election since the redistricting where we – uh, moved from 23 districts down to 16. Um, what effect, now that we've had four years to, to look at this, what effect do the two of you think that this has had on the governance of, of the HRM? Well, before you jump in, one of the things that actually, another topic that keeps coming up is this rural-urban divide, and whether that's an actual conflict that needs to be addressed through legislation, or we had an article about like potentially even bringing back the county, or... Is that just a personality conflict between some counselors? <laughs> but I don't know. This is something that you you cover the original when when they yeah. rejiggered these districts. Yeah, for me, uh, I I don't really have anything um, any special insight on the rural uh, urban divide issues. Um, it's it's a convenient uh, thing for people to have resentment on on either side of it, and mm -hmm. I think it's overstated. That's not to say that people in rural areas don't have problems, and people in Urban areas and suburban areas also have problems, but to, to blame it on the other side gets in a, in a sticky kind of situation. But I think the biggest issue, and getting to your point, Russ, about diversity, um, necessarily, I, I've said this, I said this before the council was shrunk in size, that necessarily when you have a smaller council, you have larger districts, people representing more people. And it takes a lot of money and time and connections to run successfully for office in these big districts. And who are the people with money, time, and connections are, generally speaking, white business men. And this is what we've seen. We've even, leaving aside the, the issue of, of um, visible minorities, uh, the, the percentage of women on council went down. And it may, after this election, be at, at historic lows. Um, well, since Sheila Fugere was first elected in 2000, uh, she was the first woman on, on Halifax Council. So, uh, but w we at one point had six or eight women on council, and, and it's very possible that we have one or two next, uh, after this election. And looking, so at, looking at the numbers here, uh, the two districts with uh, the largest number of uh, candidates, which is District 5, Dartmouth Center, and District 8, uh, Halifax Peninsula North, both are losing female counselors. So Gloria McCluskey and, and Jennifer Watts are both uh, stepping down. And of the, uh, what would this be, 4, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 15, 15 uh, potential candidates to replace those two, there's only one woman. Yeah. yeah. So it's 14 men and, 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 and Kate Watson in, in District 8, or in District uh, 5. Yeah. So that's concerning. Yeah, uh, again, this was the point. I, I remember those conversations well. I was reporting on it. It was all about how council had to be run like a board of directors of a business. It was, uh, we can't have bickering on council. 
good God, we can't have elected representatives disagree with each other. Uh, we can't have counselors talking about issues that their constituents found important. Uh, we merely had to talk about the big picture financial issues and everything else had to go by the, the wayside. And I, I just, again, I just want to underscore this was the goal and this is what we got. The goal was a, a more corporate, a more business-oriented council uh, with less representation of marginalized and, and distinct communities and less diversity on council. Uh, that was the political goal, and that's what we got. Okay. To question to the both of you. Uh, any predictions on voter turnout? Is it going to be higher than it was four years ago, lower, going to stay the same? Well, so I've been looking a little bit at the numbers. I've been asking the city, and they've been forwarding what they have to me in terms of advanced and e-voting. Now, I don't know. I mean, I get a percentage, but I don't know if that is good or bad, if it tails off or if it tends to pick up steam as we go. Like I remember last time yeah. the e-voting, last election four years ago, e-voting was really high. I forget the numbers off the top of my head. And at this point, like right before the election, they were they were saying, we're going to have 55 60% voter turnout. But what happened is that the number of people who actually went to the poll on voting day plummeted to, to nothing. So it was a shift to e-voting. Yeah. Uh, so people who would have voted in past elections e-voted instead of going to the polls. But there was not an increase in the number of people that went out to vote. In fact, that went down. From what I've been seeing, there's a couple of districts that are higher than maybe would be predicted at this moment. What are those? Uh, District 13, so that's Matt Whitman, Pamela Loveless, <laughs> and uh, Harry Ward. They're at, uh, I won't say a number, but they're, 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 I think, the highest right now in terms of advanced and e-voting. And they were a little lower in terms of actual results last time around. And actually, District 6, which is Burnside and... Uh, North Dartmouth, where Tony Mancini, who won that by-election, yeah. had a terrible turnout in the middle of winter, is up against uh, Carlos Beals. I don't think anyone would have predicted that. And they might still end up with a very low voter turnout, but for right now, they're actually like second highest in terms of the districts for advanced and Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Okay. Um, so the way we're going to construct this for the remainder of the episode is I'd, I'd like to go through uh, district by district and just weigh in on uh, a little bit on the candidates, um, take a look at the responses that they gave to uh, both the questionnaire that you sent to them, Tim, uh, at the Halifax Examiner, and the questionnaire that uh, the Coast sent out, if there are any specific issues that that one district has to, uh, has mm. to deal with. How does that sound? Let's do it. Okay. We're going to jump right into that right after this. You are listening to Examiner Radio. Okay, we're back on Examiner Radio, the election preview special, and Halifax Regional Municipality municipal elections happen Saturday, this Saturday, October 15th. So we're going to jump right into it with District 1, Waverly Fall, River, Muscadabit Valley. This is the district where Barry Dalrymple, the sitting councillor, is not running Correct. Uh, for re-election. So we have, uh, we have six candidates, uh, some well-known names, uh, specifically Steve Stretch. Uh, Steve Sinnott, Kathy Deagle-Gammon, Colin Castle, Trevor Lawson, Allison McNair. Steve Stretch uh, uh, was defeated a, a while back and had some health issues, and, he, and he's back. Uh, he's the one I know um, best of all these candidates. Uh, he looks great. Uh, he's an old old school conservative, religious guy. Um, What's your take on this, Jay? I, I'm I'm weirdly obsessed with District One. <laughs> yeah, it's far off and it's it's removed. But uh, Barry Dalrymple is publicly backing Kathy Deagle-Gammon. He shows up at events in her T-shirts. There's a bit of a rivalry, I think, still between Steve Stretch and Barry Dalrymple. Um, and then Trevor Lawson is being. Hey, do you know what that rivalry is about? Did like no. one one you know 
some sort of I was uh, talking to Steve something to do with their spouses or something. You, are <laughs> no, you alluding I'm, I'm, to no, something? No, I'm just making that up. <laughs> um, I, I talked to Steve the other day, and he said, you know, Barry and I, I thought we were great friends on council. <laughs> I think when suddenly there was only the one seat, and it's like musical chairs. Everyone was fighting for it. Yeah. But um, they're battling it out. Trevor Lawson is being endorsed by Peter Stauffer, um, and he's from the rural Muscadamid Valley, uh, you know, uh, Kathy is in Waverly, I believe, yeah. and you have that sort of suburban rural mix. So it's it's interesting. Um, Allison and Colin and Steve Sinnott, I know a little less about. Uh, Colin, I believe, says he's from one of the original settling families in the valley. I don't know if he actually lives in the district right now. Mm-hmm. So it, it is interesting. I'm 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 curious to see which way the voters go because I don't know if Barry was that popular, and you have stretch coming out yeah. against his successor and you have four other people who are going to influence votes one way or the other. Yeah. I think it's uh, whoever ends up in charge could be interesting. Tim, anything to contribute? No. No? Okay. <laughs> okay. My, my takeaway from the, uh, from the uh, Coast's questionnaires are Trevor Lawson loves animals and Colin Castle is concerned about the environment but won't join the Green Party or any ecological or environmental movement. You know, Trevor's uh, a vet, vet on for these oh, yeah. farms, yeah. and one of, I think Colin or one of these opponents said, you know, these farmers, they're going to be reluctant to vote their vet into office. It might, you know, if their horse <laughs> is sick, you want him there. I thought he was joking, and then Trevor's like, no, 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 it's a real problem for us at the door. And he's actually admitted he's not going to give up that job if he gets elected. He's still going to go out and take care of your calf births or whatever he deals with. I love the fact that horses could play a factor in who shows up at City Hall. <laughs> Let's move along to District 2. That is Preston, Cheswick Cook, Eastern Shore. We have uh, four candidates, including incumbent David Hensby. Uh, get, joining uh, the fight, Gail McQuarrie, Shelley Fashan, and Sydney McKay. Uh, do we want to give... Uh, what, do you, what do you got, Jacob? I don't. I don't. I think... We're not endorsing people, right? right. Obviously, <laughs> obviously not. Um, you know, these are well. Gail ran before against yep. David in 2012. She's she's a bus driver. Yeah, retired now. Or former. I think she's retired. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're they're three, four interesting people. Um, I don't know if everyone's. I w- I want to criticize the three challengers for not having maybe the most professionally organized campaigns, but I don't think David Hensby does either. So I don't think that's to their da- discredit. I. Yeah, I I um, don't know the candidates very well outside of David Hensby. I've met each of them, uh, but uh, uh, that's a really rough district. It spreads for two hours down mm. the, down the highway, and there's all these distinct communities. And in order to kind of bridge all those communities, you really got to be out there, right? Um, and Hensby's out there in, in several different ways. Uh, <laughs> this is the guy who wanted to move all the lighthouses inland. Remember that. Yeah. Yeah. He wanted If we moved them all inland, people could get to them. I get uh, the impression he's maybe a little annoyed to even have to face <laughs> competition. I think he called them politically naive when I asked him about his opponents. Um, yeah, I don't. Maybe that's just David's default mode. Yeah, um, I don't make predictions. We'll we'll, we'll see how how it goes. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's correct. Uh, David Hensby replied that opponents are his opponents are all inexperienced or naive. Uh, don't forget, <laughs> David, that uh, they may be your opponents, but they also live in your district. <laughs> Let's move on to District 3. Now, uh, this uh, is going by acclamation. Dartmouth Southeastern Passage. Bill Karsten is the incumbent and is running unopposed, so we don't have to uh, debate candidates. But uh, do you want to talk about Bill Karsten and his track record uh, at council? These are are really sad when they're uncontested elections. Um, Even if a candidate would likely win by overwhelming, they should have to stand before the voters, you know. Hmm. Um, so I, I don't like to see these these acclaimed districts. Um, Bill Carson, love him, hate him. Uh, he, you could oppose him. Uh, there, there are things you could oppose him on. Uh, you know, and and that district uh, that weirdly shaped out the Eastern Passage, Cal Bay, and and then kind of that little bit of Portland Hills that's uh, attached onto is uh, provides enough. Uh, enough kind of different communities for someone should have been able to stand for this. I don't know why they didn't. 
Uh, then let's go to District 4, Coal Harbor, Coal Harbor West Falm. Lori Lee Nickel also claimed, and, and she is by far the, the uh, strongest um, uh, counselor in terms of uh, having cont- political control of her district, for better and worse in that way. Uh, no one opposed her because they knew they didn't have a chance. It would not surprise me to see Lori Lee run for mayor, um, maybe possibly next time, whenever Savage decides not to run again. It really upset me no one ran against her because we would have had that debate where these two candidates are arguing over who loves Sidney Crosby more. <laughs> and your your take on her last four years, her, her last term? I think uh, she's been a really uh, solid, steady counselor. She's made some good decisions, some bad decisions. Um, yeah, she definitely seems to have politics in mind but she also uh, you know she brought participatory budgeting to district four some of the other districts have been doing it and uh, i'm not surprised i think she would have won even if she was running against some strong challengers it's i don't i'm not hugely surprised event any of the acclaimed counselors maybe bill a little bit but all right how about you tim any uh, any reflections you know she's she's typical old school uh suburban liberal uh counselor uh and everything that entails uh she sometimes strikes me as uh she surprises me with how thoughtful she can be but she's not always there and she's by no means a you know flaming radical or anything uh, mm-hmm. she's kind of middle of the road and but uh, some sometimes she surprises me with her insights okay Let's do District 5. Here's one of the most hotly contested districts. Dartmouth Center, Glory McCluskey is hanging up the hat finally. Vying to replace her, Tim Rosesco, Warren Wesson, Sam Austin, Adam Bowes, Gabriel Njuga, Derek Vallis, Kate Watson, and Ned Milburn. Any takeaways there? This, uh, is, my, this is my district. I mean, I live in this district, and I... S- here it is, uh, Thursday, we're recording, um, and I still have not made up my mind. Um, Adam Bowes, I believe, is he's still on the ballot, but he's stopped campaigning and he's asked people to vote for other candidates. So I'm not sure what happened there. Um, it's going to be close, I think, between a few people just because it's an open race. And I think there's a lot of qualified people on that ballot who are campaigning pretty hard and have been for months and months now. Mm-hmm. I think four or five of those names announced back in the spring. So they've been going hard. Yeah. Uh, Sam is sort of the the wonky self-described uh nerdy geek kind of guy uh gabriel is the the um labor candidate i guess and you know the most uh leftist i guess and uh tim rosesco is uh he is now running the downtown dartmouth business commission and kate watson brings her um how, how do we describe her? I guess, well, we had her here on the show, and she described herself, but uh, uh, she's thoughtful and has has been watching council closely for, for many years now. Um, you know, vaguely left to center. Um, and um, Warren Wesson is the former drug addict uh, who s- sells himself as having seen the world. Um, and the leading voices in the Dartmouth insurgency. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know the other candidates. Uh, Derek, a uh, state lawyer, I believe, who a former Navy man as well. And Ned. 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 Um, I don't know as much. He was involved in the shipping industry, I think, yeah. in Japan and moved back uh, several years ago. Yeah, it's, gonna be, it's going to be interesting. I think any of them will be capable. Uh, my takeaways are um, Gabriel promises not to block constituents on Twitter. That's that's an admirable uh, stance. Ned Milburn doesn't use Google, which I found interesting. Uh, Warren Wesson hates Halifax logos on signs in Dartmouth. And uh, Kate Watson is an expert egg poacher and promises to continue using public transit if elected. Ned Milburn, the only candidate running this election with a Yahoo email address. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a couple hotmails, but yeah. only Yahoo. Uh, and you could you can also um, connect with them on Friendster, right? District six, Harborview, Burnside, Dartmouth East. Two candidates: incumbent Tony Mancini, who hasn't been there for a, a, a full term, and uh, Carlos Beals, 
What are your takeaways? Well, Messina has only been there since February. Uh, that was the election. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's still getting his feet wet, really. Yeah, hasn't yeah. done too much at City Hall. Not to discredit him. Right. I mean, you're right. just learning the process. So it's a poorly timed election almost from from his point. And I think Carlos is actually, for a political newcomer, I think he's running a, a tight campaign. The signs an, are everywhere. Yeah, on so. an anti-violence platform and uh, anti-poverty and looking at some new programs for like some of the lower-income areas and the North Dartmouth, which I think gets overshadowed when you're looking at this district has Burnside and, and Dartmouth Crossing, and mm-hmm. that sort of takes up all the political gab most of the time. You got anything, Tim? No, I don't. I mean, uh, I live close to the district, but not in it, and um, so I don't really know the candidates. Uh, I, even though Mancini's been sitting on council for almost a year, I I really don't even know him yet. You know? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, if if Carlos Beals wins. Uh, Man, that would suck for for Tony. Like, yeah, I was a city councilor for nine months. Of a footnote, right? Yeah, <laughs> I'm surprised uh, some of the people who didn't who ran against him back in January didn't yeah. want to like regroup and use some of their signs and sure. come back out and said, "Look, you voted him in. What did he do? Now is your second chance." But and my my takeaway is uh, Carlos Beals will limit himself to a maximum of three terms. So there you have it. Uh, I do like when all these candidates are like, oh, I'm going to put a term limit on of two terms. It's like you still got to get elected. <laughs> it carries down. a bit more weight if you do it after the election. <laughs> uh, District 7, another uh, hotly contested uh, race, although not a ton of candidates. That's for Halifax South Downtown. The incumbent is Way Mason. Challengers are former uh, councillors, Sue Utech and Dominic Desjardins. Yeah, this is the Sue Utech Way Mason uh, rematch. I think it's pretty clear that one or the other will get elected. Interesting. They they seem to have a very heated race going on there. Uh, you know more about that. They do not them. like each other. <laughs> um, every both Everyone's accusing everyone else of running some negative campaign or having people say things at the door, though they're all claiming that they stand above that. Um, yeah, they don't, they don't seem to like each other. And then you have Dominic over in the corner, who I don't think people are realistically expecting to win, but it's a very close race between Utech and Mason in so 2012. He could be a spoiler. Oh, yeah. He could definitely cause some problems. I'm trying to remember the name. It was the guy that puts on the Blue Nose Marathon was the spoiler in, in the last election uh, that got Way Mason elected. Some of these uh, odd, you know, one-off uh, candidates uh, can have a, a very large effect. All right. All right. It'll be it'll be interesting. And, and yeah, that uh, was kind of odd that UTEC would complain about the negativity and then try to start the wrong way hashtag. <laughs> I think that backfired on her on Twitter. Is that, I, yeah. And she got some grief well, over Sue, that. Sue has old, you know, I watched her on council for many years and, and she, uh, she's very um, outspoken to put it mildly. And, but you know, she really bird dog budget issues and, um, in a kind of detail that no one else was doing, uh, would call BS, voted against, uh, voted her conscious and, and not really for political reasons. Way Mason is part of this kind of new wave that I kind of put him in the same category as, as Steve Craig up in, in uh, Sackville of this kind of, uh, kind of technocratic kind of view of things, which, you know, people either like that or they don't. I don't know. Um, uh, I think either one of them would be good counselors in their own way. And, of course, that's why we have elections, is so people can decide that. Okay. I think Mason's uh, very popular, and I don't think we'd be even talking about, like, UTEC having a chance if UTEC didn't have a very strong chance. So it's, it is going to be interesting to see what happens there. And the key takeaways, Sue UTEC pissed about poor planning downtown. Dominic Desjardins pissed about poor planning downtown. And <laughs> Way Mason thinks poor planning downtown will be solved by the center plan. Let's do District 8, that's Halifax Peninsula North, and a number of candidates vying to replace the outgoing Jennifer Watts. Those are Brendan Sommerhalder, Lindell Smith, Anthony Kowalski, Chris Poole, Irvine Carvery, Patrick Murphy, and Martin Farrell. Thoughts? Who the hell knows who's going to win this one? Uh, There's a lot of different candidates, all with their strengths and, and potentially... Backings. I mean, understand that uh, the, the dark horse in this might be Patrick Murphy, who who um, represented the North End back in well before, <laughs> whenever that was, and uh, 
uh, you know, he still has that core constituency. He was unseated by Jerry Blumenthal a few elections ago. But uh, I think with this many candidates in the race, you don't need a lot of votes to win. No, it's going to be it's going to be tight. Irvine has his base, his supporters. Um, Brendan Lindell have been running long, very organized campaigns, but so is Chris. I, and I, so is uh, Anthony. I've been very very impressed with Lindell Smith's uh, organization. Um, his people are out there in mass in a way that I haven't seen the other candidates. Now, doesn't mean they just because I haven't seen them doesn't mean they aren't out there, but uh, they've been very visible to me, uh, the Linda Smith people. Uh, Brendan has um, that kind of uh, business orientation or, or kind of uh, wonky orientation and approach to things, uh, which appeals to people as well. So I don't know. I think, it, it, as I kind of alluded to Thursday morning, it just depends on how these people can get their potential supporters to the polls. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It comes down to who can actually get out the vote. And if you can get uh, a large swath of people who didn't previously vote, you're going to you're going to win that. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. My takeaways, Patrick Murphy in blatant, a blatant attempt to curry the favor of uh, Halcon attendees admits to having seen Star Wars The Force Awakens 14 times. And uh, that's actually all I've got for uh, District 8. <laughs> District 9 is Halifax West Armdale, and three candidates, including incumbent Linda Mosher, battling it out with her or against her, Sean Cleary and Kyle Woodbury. This is fascinating. This this will be uh, the Linda Mosher-Sean Cleary battle. Sean Cleary is a former liberal staffer uh, who I believe still has lots of those connections and is tapping them. Uh, Linda Mosher is longtime councillor has dominated that the council elections uh, for you know three or four times now uh, with big wins uh, it'd be difficult to unseat her but she's a large personality and part of having a large personality is people also dislike you um, so how that plays out um, I I'm very interested in this election there's been a few incidents over the last few years that I think people have criticized some in cases very much rightfully so Linda and things she's done at City Hall for things as minor as donairs up to uh, sidewalk snow clearing and a certain incident involving a uh, a bicyclist there was that too yeah Sean's running campaign you know there's the the unfortunate thing is is Linda's husband is dealing with illness right now, and I know that's diverting some of her time from the campaign. So you wonder, yeah, how and, that's going to play. In. And well, I haven't mentioned that because I feel like it's you know not not anyone's business. But uh, yeah, I mean, all these candidates also have personal lives, and and I, I no matter what I think about them as politicians, I I don't want to see um, you know I, I feel for them as people. So yeah, we haven't yeah. written about it, but. I, I mean, it was in her answers to her oh. survey, mm-hmm. and her candidate manager have talked to us. So, yeah, we'll see. I mean, that's that's a uh, deciding factor, I think, in how big of an influence that'll play into her getting out there, talking to voters, and, and how that'll impact things on Election Day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sean Cleary is one of the only candidates who responded to the questionnaire from the Coast uh, to mention campaign finance reform. So that was uh, that was interesting. Kyle Woodbury pl- promises not to play Pokemon Go at council meetings. Um, I guess that's great. And Linda Mosher claims she doesn't know either of her opponents, so <laughs> she didn't have much to contribute there. Al- although she owned his domain name, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, District Ten is Halifax, Bedford Basin West. Um, Russell Walker is the incumbent, and challengers are Mohammed Essan and Andrew Curran. Yeah, Russell Walker's this the sitting councilor, and you know he's got that chews on marbles through every council meeting. You know, so he's the Dick Cheney of city council, more or less. (laughs) I I I don't really quite get his appeal to his district. I I don't I don't say that to diss him. I I just don't see how he aligns with his district, and yet he keeps winning re-election. I don't know the other two candidates. What do you know about this, Jacob? They're they're interesting people, um, and I keep I feel like I'm using that word a lot, but maybe I'm just fascinated by municipal politics. Um, Andrew is a political newbie, but um, very insightful answers I thought in some of the things he said to us. 
um, and what he hopes for the district in terms of community spaces and seniors programming. Muhammad wants to hold, uh, uh, I don't know, it would be th- three times a year every four months, hold town halls in different parts of the district to kind of hear, get more input from the community. I think they both have very strong ideas about where District 10 is going and ways to try to create a community identity there in what seems like a very spread out, very sort of... Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, in some ways, that's the most diverse uh, district. I, I, it is, it's, yeah. it's like a little UN out there um, with, you know, I think it's far more diverse than, say, the peninsula. Um, there's a large immigrant population out there. Um, and, uh, you know, these these interesting uh shopping centers with all these different ethnic uh, orientations and, and the issues that play out at the Canada Game Center, which isn't in the district, but it's catering to the, to those people. So it's fun stuff out there. Yeah, Russell, I mean, he is the incumbent. If he wins again, it's like 25 years he'll have in office. I like that he apparently has been doing a lot of campaigning, not going door to door, but just sort of holding court at Tim Hortons and getting, <laughs> having people come to him. Um, which does seem like a very incumbent municipal <laughs> politician move to make. I don't, I don't know how strong the other two ch- two uh, opponents their chances are, but I really think their policies and their platforms uh, deserve a second look. If you're in District Ten, okay. Uh, Russell Walker believes that Halifax should always keep a balanced budget, uh, which is kind of interesting. They legally and have it's to it's mandated by law. <laughs> yeah, so that's good that he's but in favor it's kind of, of weird law. That you know. <laughs> Uh, he would bring that up. Uh, and the way he phrased it, too, was like, you know, I, I, I hope that they do or something like that. I'm trying to remember the exact wording. Uh, Andrew Curran uh, supports uh, commuter rail to Bedford. And uh, Mohammed Essan, uh, I, I may have misread his comments because I read it as he was going to have four monthly town hall meetings. Yes, yeah, I think uh, that we originally had that, though, so that might have been a previous version you okay. we were looking at, but we got that wrong in okay. the transcription. Okay, bi-monthly things. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Okay, I was, I was like, wow, dude, man, that's going to be busy. I'll say, too, in terms of uh, we had some, some more sort of lighthearted questions. One of them was like, what's your go-to meal when cooking? Andrew Curran probably had the best sound. He had this curry sauce that his mom used to make with apples. And he put the whole recipe in there, so yeah. feel free to go check out his <laughs> Q and A because it sounds really delicious. We're going to actually make a uh, a cookbook, uh, the candidates' cookbook. And we'll, oh, they we'll should have to have a fundraiser. They should have to have a debate where they like talk about <laughs> municipal issues while preparing a meal. <laughs> Uh, we move on to District 11, Spryfield, Sambro Loop, Prospect Road. Only two candidates: incumbent Stephen Adams and challenger Don E. Penny. Yeah, Steve Adams been around forever. Spryfield boy. I uh, went to high school in Spryfield, um, got elected, met a gal, uh, moved to Bedford with her, but still represents Spryfield. And um, Don Penny, who's um, a young woman who's challenging, uh, I guess, primarily on, on water issues out in the outskirts there. In Harrodsfield and those issues, yeah. yeah, environment. I mean, that's you've got the Purcell's Cove backlands there. In that district, Dawn's also, uh, and uh, I don't know if she has an issue <laughs> with us bringing it up, but uh, she's a low-income individual. She's uh, very, very little money put into her campaign, um, and the struggles with that is something she's kind of spoke with us about. Um, she's not the only person in District 11 who's dealing with that. Yeah. So uh, very commendable, I think, that she's coming forward. Even just in this race, you see these where these incumbents have a very strong chance, but this is the difference between this and the acclaimed races. She's there and she's, you know, putting Steve's feet to the fire a little bit and asking questions and putting forth issues that were, are worth addressing that you wouldn't get if that wasn't happening. Anything to add, Tim? No. Okay. District 12, Timberley, Beachville, Clayton Park, Wedgwood. And a uh, number of candidates, uh, Reg Rankin uh, is uh, not reoffering. Yep. And uh, moving on to something and uh, a whole stack of uh, candidates jumping in to replace him Bruce E. Smith John Bignell Richard Zorowski Bruce Holland Scott Guthrie and Iona Stoddard what do you got well I mean certainly Bruce Smith has been energetic on on social media Richard Zorowski everybody knows him as the weatherman uh, and science guy on on uh, News 95.7 um, so I don't know if those sort of um, name recognitions will prevail. I don't, I don't know. What do you think, Jake? 
Um, we'll see. Bruce Holland, former liberal MLA, I believe, yeah. um, now owns a community newspaper that he publishes. John Bignell's paramedic. Uh, Scott Guthrie was former military guy, and he was on the Otter Lake Community Monitoring Committee. And now he's on some other board. They're all on some board, I think. Um, Iona Stoddard has made sort of her main campaign argument that only her and Richard actually live in District 12, <laughs> which the other candidates are keen to point out that they did until the boundaries got rejiggered back in 2012. Um, it's going to—it's an open race, and it's hard to tell who's really connecting with everyone there. It, yeah, I, I, that would probably be the hardest one to predict. Yeah. Not that we are making predictions, but I really don't know which way that's going to go. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, Saturday night. Somebody's, uh, I'll be surprised who whoever wins. Yeah. So. Uh, Richard Zorowski hates climate change deniers and useless surveys. <laughs> his response to, <laughs> and uh, John Bignall uh, is concerned about the resurgence of, quote, national organized crime in Halifax. And I wasn't yeah. sure. The Hells Angels, I think he's talking yeah, about okay. starting here. Okay. Uh, District 13 is Hammond's Plains, St. Margaret's. Matt Whitman is the incumbent and is challenged by Pamela Lovelace and Harry Ward. This is the one, man. Yeah. <laughs> There's like poo flying across the streets in, in, in Kingswood out there. Gloves are uh, off. It's it, all, yeah, this is this is the exciting race to watch. Uh, and who knows? Uh, Matt Whitman, again, is one of those large personalities that people either like him or find him ridiculous. Or sometimes both, I guess. Uh, and Pamela Lovelace has come out swinging. Uh, this district used to be always the the Kingswood versus Tantallon race, and it kind of flipped back and forth from representatives from one one to the other. Uh, but I guess Kingswood has grown so large now that now now we got two candidates from Kingswood going up against each other, and and. Uh, I don't know what a lot of fun this one is, huh? You know, there's a, a Facebook live stream debate you can watch with the three of them. Where, I mean, yeah, it's it's better than anything happening down south in terms of accusations and who did what and who knows what when and about ditch tax this and rural lots that and they're really going for it. Uh, everyone, of course, running a very positive campaign. Um, <laughs> she put in a freedom of information request for. All of his emails mentioning her. her. <laughs> and she got stuff back. So that's that's where we're at, yeah. Um, I I think Matt is very popular with a certain fan base. I don't know if that's – I'm actually starting to wonder, is he going to get reelected? That's, that's been more of a question recently in seeing some of the reaction to Pamela online. Now it's on, online. I'm not yeah, out there yeah. knocking doors or doing a poll. Yeah, and online may not even represent the district, right? But, yeah, there's there's some fire in this and, District 13. And I understand, Matt went to China like three weeks ago. He's been, I think it was a little longer than that. I believe he's been campaigning in other districts. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's the best strategy, but... This is the guy that stood in a ditch in downtown holding a sign. Got elected from yeah. it. I don't know. And my takeaway is that uh, Harry Ward was the only candidate to mention leopard print intimate apparel in his survey responses. <laughs> Fun anecdote. <laughs> uh, you knock on these doors, you don't know who's going to answer. Home stretch, you two. District 14 is Middle Upper Sackville, Beaverbank, Lucasville. Incumbent is Brad Johns. And challengers, Lisa Blackburn and Kevin Copley. Copley? Copley, Copley. I think. Okay. Yeah. Brad Johns been around forever. Uh, he was unchallenged a couple of elections ago. Uh, doesn't spend a lot of money on his campaigns. Uh, and just uh, he... You know, he's, what can we say about Brad? He he has the lowest attendance record at, at council meetings uh, and seems to have, uh, he set up an office for himself out in one of the community centers out there in, in uh, Sackville. Uh, whether he's there or not, I don't know. But um, he seems, for, the, for those of us covering City Hall, he seems a bit distant. Now, whether that translates into being connected to his, his district or not, I don't know. But... Um, I don't know the challengers. What do you think, Jacob? Yeah, I think there's a, a media report in um, – they were at a school and Brad was talking about how the stuff at City Hall he doesn't feel as a, as important as being out there in the district and doing things for the community there. And, I mean, maybe that's a legitimate response if you live in that district. I think it is going to come down to a referendum on whether Brad's absences at City Hall, his performance there is something that – 
these people in District 14 find acceptable or not, whether they're happy with what he's doing or it's time to give him the boot and try someone else. Yeah, Brad's one of those counselors who, you know, if I was pressed to say, well, what does this guy stand for? I wouldn't be able to give you an answer, right? Um, He stands for celebrating Sackville. He's always talking about the we're rocking concert you know and and how things are great in sackville and and not not take anything away from sackville and in some ways it's a one of the more interesting communities it's old old working class community and they're they're they deserve good solid representation i don't feel like he's given it to them um whether the challengers can or not i don't know lisa blackburn uh i think still cbc web editor um, though she may be taking a break for this campaign and former radio broadcast journalist for many, many, many years. Um, Kevin, I know a little less about. Interestingly, there's the most growth in terms of eligible voters in District 14. There's a thousand new voters, and I think Brad only got like 1,800 votes last time. So we'll see if that plays any yeah. sort of a difference. I think both of them are running on a anyone but Brad John's campaign. <laughs> Uh, yeah, interestingly, Lisa Blackburn uh, slammed uh, Brad Johns' attendance record in the uh, in the questionnaire, and Brad Johns didn't respond to the questionnaire, yeah. uh, probably because he was too busy at council. Um, <laughs> the, the The final two districts, fifteen and sixteen, uh, both uh, acclaimed. Coming acclaimed, uh, Steve Craig for District 15, Laura Sackville, Tim Outhit in District 16, Bedford Wentworth. I guess it doesn't surprise me that Steve Craig is is unchallenged. I, it saddens me that he's unchallenged. Uh, I think everyone should be challenged. Uh, it, he's proven capable in council, um, you know, in a way that uh, the old Bob Harvey used to represent that district, and, and Steve kind of uh, is in his tradition uh and if you remember those days you know you'll know what i mean uh everyone kind of likes him and he didn't cause too many problems <laughs> and things kind of went on the way but tim outfit and bedford that one surprises me not to say anything about tim but because the old school pcs in that district are forever putting up candidates uh but they haven't this time these are the lynn gouchers of the world uh, are always running some pet candidate in that district, and I guess they they gave up on it. Maybe everyone's preparing for the provincial election that's coming, <laughs> so they let municipal go. Yeah, and we move on to the mayoralship. Hmm. Mike Savage versus Lil McPherson. Yeah, Mike Savage versus Lil S- Savage strongly favored in the latest polls. Yeah. Um, Lil has her support. Let's not sort of deny that she's definitely uh, has fans and people in her corner especially as the nova center continues to be delayed in construction and more businesses go away from argyle street she's sort of proving her case daily with that i'll make the prediction savage will will walk away with this. tim going out on the line yeah. on the limb yeah but uh that's not to take anything away from from lil i think you know she i think i i haven't had this conversation with her but i think she would agree that uh uh, she's trying to introduce issues into the political discourse, and that probably won't translate into actually getting elected, but maybe it does translate into having these issues before us in a way that they weren't before. Yeah, I, d- I think it's it's an easy prediction that, no, no offense, that <laughs> <laughs> Savage will win. The story here has sort of been like, has Lil been effective as a challenger and really holding his feet to the fire and demanding more? And, and we'll see. We'll see what happens with this new council once it gets in. My takeaways, uh, Lil McPherson likes Mother Earth. Uh, Mike Savage was Googling the top 25 cities in the world to party in. So I wonder how many of those will show up in his travel plans uh, mm-hmm. over the next uh, term, assuming he wins. Uh, and interestingly, both candidates listed April Wine as their first concert. Wouldn't that be great if they were there together? I was wondering that. It's like, you know, did you, did you, were you guys like high school sweethearts? And then Let me just yeah. say, they weren't the only people. Far too many people's first concerts were April Wine. <laughs> Um, and we wonder why we have dysfunction <laughs> on council. <laughs> uh, and uh, looking through, and of the fifty-three that were submit that were sent, mm-hmm. how many responded? Um, I think we only had, s- I want to say, seven didn't respond. Okay. So Brad Johns outright refused. Uh, Steve Stretch in District One and Iona Stoddard in District Twelve offered their regrets. They just weren't able to get to it. Though I think Steve maybe had some. Uh, he wasn't sure if you were still on the coast. <laughs> 
Um, and there were a few other people who, uh, uh, District 2, Shelly and, and uh, Gail didn't offer any, and there's someone else I'm forgetting, but more than I expected okay. right back. Okay. And uh, going through and synthesizing all, all, all of the responses, um, what I got out of it was, as you mentioned, uh, the most common piss-off were, uh, was fast drivers. That was their Such, number one thing. I mean, thing. that's obviously what you're hearing at the door from parents, so I think they're just <laughs> echoing it back. Sure. Um, my, my pick for, uh, uh, for best go-to meal was uh, Way Mason's Thai pork with lime and cilantro. Uh, so, Way, if you're listening, can you get me that recipe? Because um, that sounds really good. Winner for first concert, I think, has to go to uh, Anthony Kowalski, who uh, said his first concert was Hawkwind. Um, uh, Runner-up is uh, Mohammed Isan, who said that he saw Miles Davis in Bangladesh in 1992. But here's the thing. Miles Davis died in 1991. Whoa. What's going on, Muhammad? Um, <laughs> and an honorary runner-up is John Bignell for actually admitting that his first concert was Millie Vanilli. I'm like, dude, if that was your first concert, lie. <laughs> lie. <laughs> what I love, actually, about that question, I know some of these are light and kind of dumb, but no one had a good first concert that they went to because <laughs> it's always whatever you can convince your parents yeah. to drive you to. Sure, sure. Uh, you know, we, we're kind of somewhat flippant on all these uh, council elections and and um, I think some of that is because people should make up their own damn mind who to vote for and not listen to us but uh, also besides that um, you know the election is just the election uh, as has always been the case the issues raised in campaigns are not the issues that by and large come before sitting councillors what comes before sitting councillors is either stuff's on fire uh, and something has to be taken care of, or residents and citizens raise hell about something. And so, you know, I, I guess I would like want to go out on a note saying that, just underscoring that the election is not the end all here. It's just the beginning uh, in terms of citizen engagement with municipal government. My hope is all the candidates, whether they have a shot in hell or not, stay on board for the next four years, keep phoning and bothering and pestering their counselor, keep listening to the people in their communities and acting as sort of de facto opposition parties to try and make yeah. sure things are heard because you're right, it's it's staying connected and over the next four years that are going to matter much more than whatever happens Saturday night. Jacob Boone, thanks for coming in. No problem, man. Uh, we've been speaking with uh, D- Jacob Boone, who is the city editor at The Coast, which is a, a, a an alt-weekly newspaper that is published in... in in I mean, probably easily top two, three newspapers <laughs> in the city. <laughs> no striking workers. No there. striking <laughs> workers, no. All right. Thanks again, buddy. Thanks, man. We'll come back after this. That's a wrap for this week's Examiner Radio, the weekly podcast and radio show produced by the Halifax Examiner. I'm Tim Bousquet. And I'm Russell Gregg. As always, we'd love to know what you think. If you have comments on what you've heard or story suggestions for future episodes, please send us an email to podcast at halifaxexaminer.ca. Until next week, your phrase is get out and vote. Vote.